Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Que cosa sucede? Ni hao, privyet. Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most interesting, intellectual, and artistic people in the world. Everyone has a story. Each person a scholar. We have a brilliant show for you today with a fantastic guest. Comedian Anthony Moore joins the show. Anthony Moore is a comedian and writer hailing from West Philadelphia, now residing in New York. While working towards a bachelor's degree from St. Joseph University, age 18, Anthony was recruited to host the school's talent show. It was at this point Anthony realized he had a true gift for humor and also a strong passion for comedy. On stage, he felt at home, and he quickly became well-known in Philadelphia's comedy circuit. Anthony was selected to represent Philadelphia on Kevin Hart's Comedy Central show, Heart of the City. And within the past year, Anthony has made the transition to the New York comedy scene and has become a regular at the world-famous Comedy Cellar. More recently, Anthony has been invited to the Just for Laughs Comedy Festival in Montreal to film for Kevin Hart's Laugh Out Loud Network. The rising star is looking forward to a promising career in entertainment. I first came across Anthony through a hilarious viral video that he posted. It was Anthony's take on when celebrities used to make guest appearances in 90s sitcoms. Anthony plays several different roles in the video, and he nails the humor of 90s sitcoms. What I loved about the video is that the writing is great, but on top of that, it's Anthony's charismatic presence and the way he uses body language and facial expressions to highlight the hilarity. On today's episode, Anthony chats about the process that went behind that video, and he also talks about where he gets creativity from. Finally, Anthony shares with us how he adapted his performing over the last year, and he didn't want to take a, a job for job's sake. Instead, he sought out proper and most beneficial opportunities and has flourished in online comedic roles. Really enjoyed my conversation with Anthony. Tremendous talent, and he made me laugh a lot, and I was incredibly intrigued to learn a lot more about the process that goes into being a comedian, especially when it comes to writing and preparing a set. And on top of that, he's another Eagles fan. Fly, Eagles, fly. Thrilled for everyone to meet him, so let's go ahead and bring on comedian Anthony Moore, and let's learn. We're one and the same as Eagles fans, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. Okay, good. Um, okay. <laughs> they're going through a lot right now. <laughs> big day, big day. I'm, I'm a little bit um, mixed emotions, but I think the sad part about it is I'm actually relieved. I don't, that's not a good thing, but I'm actually relieved. But it's amazing how Howie is just sneaking by unnoticed in all of this. <laughs> like, it's like we get rid of Doug and Wentz, and Howie's just like. <laughs> we, we shouldn't have got rid of Doug. We should have kept Doug. Right, yeah, yeah. That's what, like, I th- like, it was like, where's the point of losing both? That day was the happiest day of my life, the Super Bowl win. Oh, so yeah. So what was that day like, especially being like, because I'm out here in Arizona, so it's not quite as crazy. I'm sure you being back east, you got family there, you got everything going on. So what was it like Super Bowl day for you? Super Bowl day, um, have you heard of the Comedy Cellar? Yeah. In New York? So I was actually booked to perform at the Comedy Cellar. So they have... They had a, a Super Bowl party there, a bunch of wings and food, snacks for us. Um, and, you know, it's a ton of Philly comedians in New York. Um, so guys like Big J Okerson was there. Um, I forget who else was there. It was just like a bunch of guys, a bunch yeah. of Philly comedians, like just all came together to hang. And I had a spot. I had to perform on the show, I think I might have been doing like a nine o'clock show, which is weird because it's like you would think who wants to go like see yeah. comedy the night of the Super Bowl. And I actually go perform. I'm performing and I think the Eagles might have been down at this point. 
I forget, but I know it was the fourth quarter. So like this whole time, I'm just I'm 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 on stage, but I'm trying to hear upstairs. Like I'm trying to hear it because the the way the the cellar is set up is like the show is in a basement and over top of it is the restaurant. So I'm just on stage and I'm trying to listen up for any type of cheering or any type of noise to like the hint at what is exactly going on. And when I had went back upstairs, Brady had just threw an interception. So, but that was that was like the longest fifteen minute set ever. <laughs> Happiest day of my life, man. Happiest yeah. day of my life. And I'm good. People, you know, they talk about winning more than one. I'm like, I'm good. I am content. That filled me enough. I never would have expected us to get that one. <laughs> man, it's been a crazy year for everyone. But for you as a performer, without regular shows, you had to find new ways to be creative. So, for you, first of all, how 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 was the last been uh, how has the last year been like for you? It's been a really weird year. When 2020 started, I was so eager and just excited about where my career was going because it was my first year really starting to travel and fly out on a regular to do shows. So I'm mostly based, I'm I'm up and coming, as to say. So most of my shows were just in the New York or Philly comedy scene. And then I might branch out to the other close states but not anywhere too far, maybe Jersey, Delaware, maybe D.C., Baltimore. But now I was starting to really see the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, coming off 2019, I, I just did a, I did a tour performing overseas at different military bases. And then 2020 started, I, was, I, I had a bunch of colleges booked. So, February, I traveled throughout the midwest performing at colleges and then march march 3rd i had a show in minnesota and i was still kind of working i was working at a school and they were giving me a bunch of pushback about um about me calling out i was calling out because i had to travel to these shows so march 3rd it basically came down to am i going to go to this show or am i going to stay and have this job security and I went to the show and they let me go. Like they 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 fired me. And um, but I was like, hey, this is the leap I gotta take. Yeah. I was excited. And then a week and a half later, the world shut down. Never expected it. And I had so many things lined up. So the end of March, I had the end of March, I was supposed to shoot a stand-up show for BET. And then the day after that, I was supposed to host a two-day event for Harvard. Mm. So I was like, I'm going to have a TV credit and to have Harvard on my yeah. college resume. That's going to open up so many doors. And um, then once everything shut down, I was kind of content with not performing. I was kind of relieved of not having to deal with the stress of... I have to email this booker to see if I could get in this club or let me reach out to this agency to see if they'll be willing to represent me. So I was kind of relieved in the fact that I didn't have to prove myself anymore. I could just worry about me and just focus on me. So I, and, and when all of this first started, it was comedians hitting me up to do zoom shows. And I was turning all of them down. Mm-hmm. 
And I was like, no, no, I'm fine. I'll, I'll pass. And then, so I went from March to not performing again until the end of August. And that was for a college, for the uh, some school in New York. The, they were about two hours outside of Manhattan. They happened to book me for their... Um, <coughs> They happened to book me for an orientation show for their um, freshmen. So I did that. But um, other than that, I wasn't. So I went there five months without performing. And then, like, my college agent reached out to me about doing virtual shows. They had reached out before, and I just completely ignored the email. Like, I'm like, I'm not doing a virtual show at all. Yeah. And uh, like, I, I was like, I'll wait it out till it's over. And um, <laughs> I still would have been waiting, as you can see now. Yeah. But um, so my college agent, he was like, hey, I got a school that wants to book you to do a virtual show. And I was like, I don't know. Like, I, I think I want to pass. And he was like, look, they pay the same as if it was live. Mm-hmm. And so that's one thing. Like, I, I can't turn that down. And then, um, and then what else did he say? So it was that. And then... Just like we're talking with my girl, she was like, you, sh- you should try it. Every time you you think about turning down something in comedy, you end up like it, end up liking it once you actually do go through with it. So I ended up doing my first um, college gig. I did a show for Ohio State. And the first few minutes, I was kind of speeding through my material, just trying to regain my pacing and get used to telling jokes again. But then... It's like something just clicked and I just started having so much fun. And I just I've I've been hooked since. So now I love doing <coughs> uh, this weather has got me so sick. It's not COVID. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That's the thing that you got that's the first thing you gotta right. say these days. Sorry. It ain't right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had to really announce your cause your cause and sneeze. Even though, man, I must have Googled the symptoms about thirty five times over the last month, year, you know, just <laughs> No, no, same. Same over over anything. Yeah. Like is 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 this itch a cough? Like or like what what is going on with me? Was there so, yeah, for you I, at first when you weren't on stage for that long? Was there times did you maybe feel a lack of identity because it's like you're a performer, this is what you do, and now mm-hmm. you don't have it. It's like, well, who am I? Am am I even a success? Am I even a comedian? I say yes and no, and I think that's a lot of the things that I, I see comedians are starting to like have really been struggling with. You see it in a lot of comedians is. Um, it's kind of like a, a little desperateness of feeling the need to just perform yeah. when it's like you, you can live, just go be with your family or just relax or find some, yeah. some other outlet. We don't have to put ourselves through this. Like yeah. I, I, I miss comedy as much too, but it's some of the shows where it's just, it's not even set up for comedy where I've yeah. seen shows. Like, I, I, I've done some of the roof, rooftop shows, which are okay, because, like, even when things were open as normal, it was rooftop comedy. But it's so many different shows in the parks now. Yeah. I've seen people try to tell jokes on on trains or, who's the weird one, on parking lots. Mm. People on parking lots, and if people enjoy the joke, they, they tell them to um, beep their horns. Where it's like, come on, yeah. that that is not the reaction. I don't I don't want you beeping my horn through my set. 
because now I'm going to just feel like you're heckling me and I'm doing terrible. You weren't about to do a show just for the show's sake. Right, um, yeah, yeah. Use that time to, to relax, get your mind right. Right. Who were the people that made you laugh growing up? Or what were the shows growing up that you just like, that they still, um, that you still laugh at today? I know I think back, yeah. you know, it was Happy Gilmore's 20th anniversary over the weekend, and I don't know about right, you. Yeah. Yeah. Every <laughs> yeah, single I, time, I'm still quoting it every time, 25 years later. So what were the love shows and the, the actors that inspired you? The shows and actors, I say, for me, I liked the, a, a lot of the stuff that I saw my parents watching. So when I was a kid, I was watching most of their shows, the older shows, like um, like the Jeffersons or Sanford and Son or um, what is the one with Archie Bunker? What's the On the Family. That? On the Family, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Or, um, yeah, so I like a lot of those shows. And, and, or even... There's so many shows that happen to come across. I, I've happened to come across by accident. So it was a period after my, my parents split. Um, bills had to be cut back on certain things like which like now as an adult, I understand that. Um, so like my dad, we didn't have cable for a little while. So from not having cable, that led me to watching shows on like UPN and, and WB. So that's how I fell in love with. The King of Queens and Everybody Loves Raymond. So, and it just gave me a whole different perspective on comedy to yeah. just see um, this this witty banter, like just yeah. these these witty arguments. Um, so those growing up, and then once I, I say once I got reached high school, that's when I I went back and I started watching like a lot of Martin and Fresh Prince. Martin is actually the one that made me want to do stand-up. And it wasn't even off of his stand-up comedy. It was just because, I, I mean, when he was doing stand-up comedy, I was too young to realize that when he was like on Def Comedy Jam. Yeah. It was the show, the show Martin made me want to be an entertainer. So that was definitely a huge influence. I'm in the same with you. All those guys, I think back, you know, one episode yeah. always stands out. It's the Halloween one for Martin. That one always, that one, never yeah. forget that one. <laughs> And speaking of all those, those sitcoms you were talking about, that's how I found you. I found you on your take. It's my favorite video of yours is your take on the 1990s sitcom cameos. It, I mean, it instantly yeah. went vinyl. When you were creating that, did you feel you had something different? Um, yeah. Like, I knew just from um, <laughs> just exaggerating that long pause. <laughs> and, then, and then how leading up to that, they used to have these silly arguments with the laugh tracks mm -hmm. so i guess like for mine i made the argument a little cornier than usual just to like it was authentic push, man it was authentic. yeah just <laughs> just to push the point home yeah. and then just to have like the walk in and like just look around <laughs> yeah i really enjoyed that i really enjoyed that one but yeah, it, I, I, I like when you were looking up around just kind of like you know, yeah that was just, yeah like just just basking in the applause but it, it's weird because sometimes when you make these videos, you don't know whether it's going to be funny or not. Like sometimes the process can be so awkward, it can deter you from wanting to complete it. Because you had to think, even for a video like that, as you're recording these pieces and piecing it together, it, it might not seem funny until you change a certain camera angle or mm -hmm. until you add a song in the background or something like that. So it's... 
it's a weird thing about making these these videos, but I'm I'm trying to get more into it and trying to be open just because the the way I came up into comedy, I was always um the internet has always been shunned upon from comedians because it's it's not the typical, it's not the it's not the old way of doing things. Yeah, I guess. It's kind of like kind of like with basketball how people get looked on looked down upon if you would pull up on a three on a fast break years ago yeah. when now it's the new norm. Yeah, go to the corner, <laughs> get your three, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love your perspective too just on, you know, you can change it just by looking around in the skit and doing things and I for me that's always what makes it, you know, when you think it back to right. Eddie Murphy and something that has the facial expressions he's doing on so many of his with all the viral response you had, what was your reaction to that? And was there anybody who commented or reached out or replied that you were just like, oh, man, I can't believe this person? Yeah. I was actually surprised. Um, like, one of the people that retweeted it, I forget the name of her character on the show, but it was one of the women that plays on Orange is the New Black. Okay. So she retweeted it, and then another really big actor retweeted it. But um, now it's definitely been some people that have, surprised me that that they um even follow me or s watch my content mm -hmm. is definitely i definitely have a, a big group of those that just totally caught me off guard so then how do you follow that up what i mean by that is you put something out elite you're gonna gain all these new followers mm -hmm. and so maybe the next time you're posting something you're like i gotta account for all these new followers what are they like so i gotta have right. something elite as well so how do you follow that up but i know that's kind of in the back of everybody's mind it's like i don't want to lose these new followers i just gained um, it's so tough. I guess the good thing for me is that right off the back, I'm trying, I'm, I'm really trying to get more consistent with the skits, mm -hmm. but it's, I, my friends know how much I hate doing them. <laughs> I hate it just because, um, I know it's my weakness. I know skits are my weakness and, um, I, I could, I'm real about that. And, you know, just like any artist comedians we have our insecurities so being that it's um it, it's just one of those things i have to keep doing just to work that muscle to get better with when i'm on stage i've been doing comedy this month makes it 10 years that i've been doing stand-up so it's it's like it's now at this point it's second nature so if somebody doesn't laugh at a joke i know how to just keep rolling where they don't even notice that the punchline was missed or I know how to just turn the conversation into something funny. Where on um, on social media, I feel like if a video doesn't hit, it's like a bomb that everybody just sees. Mm -hmm. Like it just lingers there. Yeah. So that's the. So I'm just trying to get more consistent in that sense. And um, but so when people do like my videos, I, I typically let them know like I am a stand up first. So I'll. I always share along with that. I'll share some of my stand-up clips mm -hmm. to let them know, like I'm not just a, I'm not just a viral person. I'm not just another funny person you've seen on Twitter. I'm actually a traveling stand-up comedian. How do you know when a joke is good enough to be put out? I know sometimes guys mm -hmm. will go around and they'll just test things out. Another comedian said sometimes the intent is to just see if it bombs and just try things out. Yeah. So how do you know when a joke is good enough? Honestly, you really don't. You only know if it's good by just doing it. Like stand up is one of those things where you can only everything sounds good when you're writing it yeah. until you get up there. So it's just sometimes you're lucky and you the joke might hit the first time you do it. You might have figured it out right away. But then 
I have jokes where I wrote down the idea and I didn't figure it out until four or five years later. So, for example, I had a joke. I have a joke um, about living in New York. It's one of my viral stand-up clips um, about how I realized New York is so diverse from all the different nannies and babysitters out here. And yeah. I wrote down this idea in my phone. I wrote it down in 2015. I didn't figure this joke out until the end of 2019. Like, I, I, tried, to, I tried it a few times. I didn't like where it was going, so I just left it alone. And then one day, I just started doing a bit over again. Like, I just started trying it out again at random open mics. And then, after all these years, I figured it out. So you really, you never know. It just depends on your focus, um, how much you, you do it, or just, um, there's so many things that could change a joke. Whereas, like, like one word could make a joke. <laughs> it's crazy. Or like, like the eye contact or something on that right, as well. Yeah. I always think that in order to have great ideas, the key is to have a lot of ideas. So for you, when you are trying to be creative and try to create something for a set, do you sit down and actively write jokes or do you just wait mm-hmm. for inspiration to come to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll definitely sit down. When I'm, when I'm writing stand-up material, yeah, I, I typically, I have a copy book and I write out everything word for word. And um, I break it down really simple. The The easiest way I tell anybody the easiest way. Um, one of my friends told me this. Um, I think it was in like some comedy book where the if you're thinking of a joke, think of your topic and then just think of your mood on that topic yeah. and then start building a story around it from there. So this could be anything. So if you're talking about work, it could be so you know your topic is going to be your job. Then you start picking your mood on it, whether I love my job or I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you start picking out your reasons why you feel this way. And then you just build the story from that. So, yeah, and, and that could be done with anything. Yeah. Do you, how many projects do you work on at once? I'm assuming you've got a lot of different books going on. You've got different lists. You're like, I can add this joke to this set, that set. maybe this one yeah. for my college one, this one for a video. That's the struggle for me because my first thought when I think of something funny is always, how can I use this on stage? Whereas now... The stages are so limited, especially like I, I have college shows now, but that's going to be until April or May. And then once college is, is out, I got to figure out, we, we don't know what this summer is going to look like. <laughs> we don't know if comedy clubs are going to open back up in this summer. All right. So it, now I'm trying to start thinking video first just until this is um until everything is over that's what like i'm really just pushing myself to just try to stay as creative as i can and just keep going forward pushing out content whether it whether it be something that i i had to take the time to shoot together or it could just be something so random as when i was singing karaoke yeah (laughs) at the at the college in kansas I wonder if this applies to you on when you're doing a certain thing like college tour. For me, every time I've ever done a best man speech or any speech at a wedding, I've got one go-to joke I always do. I always say, you know, put your hand on top of his. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the last time he has the upper hand in the marriage. You know, but I'm thinking, yeah. <laughs> is there one go-to joke that works for you every time in college? You're just like, oh, this is easy. I can just, I can just change the college oh, name yeah. from Harvard to Ohio State and I just, I crush every time. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I have so many. I have so many. Um, I have whether it be about um being like how much I hate group projects, about how colleges are getting away with robbery. Um, especially now, I talk about how the whole transition from before when I was in school, professors would tell us um like if if we were trying to fill out a class for the next semester. And the schedule for a classroom might be full. They'll they'll tell us like, I'm sorry, this online class only allows twelve seats in it. And like, yeah. this isn't a real classroom. Y'all can make this as big as y'all want. Yeah. And once the pandemic hit, they did that. They went from only allowing twelve seats to forty thousand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they made sure they were going to yeah. get all their money. Yeah, that room got bigger all so, of a sudden. How's that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I talk about a lot of that. Um, just the whole changes with that. And um, then it's funny, I also, when I'm in these um, really rural and uh, or like country towns, like if I could point, if I could find like a few black students in the crowd, uh, I, I won that audience over. So, <laughs> so, so easy. <laughs> like I was in, um, what was I? I was in South Dakota and from talking, it was just, it was like two black kids in there, and the one was from Miami, and he was just saying like the, and everything I was saying because he was the one person not from that South Dakota Nebraska area, he was so familiar with all the city life that I was talking, so that also helps me a lot, yeah. being able to bring that that aspect for the few kids that come from somewhere city but that's in like a more country um, setting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious with, with so much comedy is based on social situations. And obviously with the last year, mm-hmm. you've got plenty of content just on all the different <laughs> yeah. things, especially like you just mentioned about why do we have a limit on internet class when there all of a sudden is no limit. And I look to comedians a lot of times for people to prove societal points and it, it opens mm-hmm. up your mind. You're like, I never thought about this aspect of the pandemic until a comedian thought of it. So for you, do you feel maybe a sense of responsibility to discuss important issues? Because um, you're, you're you, because in a lot of ways you're, you're the voice. You're kind of what's saying what everybody's thinking. But you you have the, the the stage where you can actually say it, and people know. Well, he's just joking. At any. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely feel a responsibility because I feel like um, I was always taught being having the confidence to speak in front of a microphone is such a talent within itself. Yeah. Even whether is is something as simple as this as podcasting. Yeah. Just to have the confidence to believe in your own voice, it takes a lot. So I, I was always taught, if you're gonna do that, you have a responsibility to say something meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though when I do joke, I try to give a good amount of truth. It's kind of tougher, it was, well, it's definitely tougher to do it with colleges, just for so many different reasons, you don't wanna, <clears throat> You don't want to offend them. You don't want to hurt yourself in the long run. As far as with comedy clubs, you could kind of get away with a lot just because they'll stick by you through the whole integrity of its comedy versus with colleges, they want you to be a little safer. And if you talk about certain subjects, um, it kind of word gets out. Word gets out quick with colleges because most colleges in the same area um 
they tend book to the talk same people, about, right? Yeah. 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 They either like book the same people or they all meet up at the same conferences yeah. to see which X are we going to book for the next semester. Yeah. So you don't want to get the stigma or label of, oh, this is the political guy. This is the yeah. super conservative or the super liberal guy, or he's anti-religion or things yeah. of that sort. So you, so it's definitely tougher in, um, in colleges, but you just have to find how to tread that line and how to bring everybody into your world. You, you talked about how talking in front of a, a microphone has helped you out in many ways. And I think that by being able to talk in front of a microphone, it makes you better in job interviews, makes oh, you better sure. on, on dates, you name it. <laughs> in what other ways has comedy enhanced your life? It's because one, another thing I think about is that you mentioned earlier about if a, if a joke fails, you move on with it quick. So to me, I would think that yeah. that probably means that you're better situated in your normal life, just on small mm-hmm. failures that you might have around your life, you're able to quickly move past that. So in what other ways has, has comedy enhanced your life? Um, comedy has definitely helped me mature a lot. I've had to grow up a lot, um, just learning how to be be okay by myself, be being able to be okay and be alone with my own thoughts, because a lot of people tend to struggle with that. So especially this last year, yeah, right, yeah, especially this last year. So when I go to these college shows by myself in the middle of nowhere. People will say, which I totally understand. People will always tell me, I don't know how you do it. And it's made me so comfortable. That's why even when I was in, a, when I was just in Kansas um, two days ago, I was in there and the students, they taught me in the singing karaoke. And mind you, I'm like the only black guy in this bar in the middle of Hayes, Kansas. <laughs> and... All my friends were like, even my mom asked me, she was like, were you drinking? Were you drunk? And I'm like, no. And it's just the, like. Maybe I'm she was just... telling you you should have been. That's what she was telling <laughs> But it's just like, like, now I'm just so, I'm just so comfortable. And now it's like, what's the, the worst outcome? They don't like it. They don't enjoy it. And then what? I don't, I don't see them anymore. So that's it. It's just, um, comedy has just definitely made me just be learn to be more independent and just so comfortable. I've learned, I've had to learn how to adapt so fast, especially with traveling. Um, my first college show I've ever done as far as flying out to one, I had a show in Missouri and I'm, I'm really excited for this show in Missouri, but it was a small town in Missouri. It was about two hours away from St. Louis. So the way I had to get there from New York I had to take a flight. I had to, I had a layover flight in Chicago. Then I was going to fly to a smaller airport in Illinois and then drive there, drive about a half hour. But I ended up, my Chicago flight ended up being delayed. My Chicago flight was delayed, which made me miss the connecting flight. So when I got to Chicago, I had to fly to, I think it was like Springfield, Illinois, which was about, three hours away from the school. So I, I ended up having to do that once I got to the airport, had to rent a car. And this is all at like 10 o'clock at night. Like I, I, I got to the school the night before. So, <clears throat> so I ended up getting to the school about one in the morning, slept. Um, I do the show the next day. And usually when I do these shows, I go table to table telling the students like, hey, I'm a comedian. Y'all should come out. Like So 
that right there, just putting myself out there, making myself vulnerable with the students, is something like I never would have thought about doing before. Um, but the show was great. Students loved it, had a ball. And then, what did I do? Then after that, oh, I had an early flight the next morning. I had an early flight. My flight was at like 6.30 a.m. So I told myself, I said, I got a three-hour drive back. I'm not even going to go to sleep. I'm just going to drive straight to the airport and watch movies. So I leave the hotel, drive back to the airport. I get there a little at the 12.30. What my plan was to just drop off the rental and then I'm just staying in the airport and watch movies. I get to the airport. The airport was closed. Like I didn't know smaller airport is closed at a certain time of night. So I just had to sit in the rental car from like 12.30 until when the airport opened at 4.30. So experiences like that is is just, it's, it's definitely taught me a lot about myself. Like I've been able to handle situations I could have never imagined. Yeah. And um, yeah. You've seen a lot of America that most people don't get to see. So a couple, a couple quick, right. don't, think too, don't think too much about these ones. Just a couple of quick ones. So mm-hmm. loudest, most energetic crowd at a college was which college? Um, definitely Trine University. It's, um, it was about a, it's in Indiana. I forget which town it is. Matter of fact, it's in Angola, Indiana. I didn't even know an Angola and Indiana existed. Okay. Yep. It's an, it's about, I want to say it might be like two hours away from Indianapolis. That one, that show was amazing. I actually, it was so great. They actually just rebooked me to do a virtual show for them. Very cool. The end of March. Very cool. Yeah. So that show was amazing. Amazing auditorium. Um, when I got there, it was so like the the auditorium was completely packed yeah and they were just so much fun they were open to everything what i'm learning a lot and the thing i like about performing in these towns you tend to just get regular people Mm. so i know a lot of comedians they have this thing where they hate performing for colleges because they feel like college kids are so sensitive and you can't joke about anything with them and it's like just think back to when you were in school they wanted <laughs> they wanted to joke about everything. Yeah. Everything is funny to them. So so I mean you do you you might it's certain schools where you do can get in trouble with stuff like these super liberal or super woke students. Like one of my friends, he got in trouble um for performing at some school in Manhattan over a joke that wasn't that offensive. But in most of these like regular college towns, oh they love everything. Yeah. When you get a crowd like that, uh, do you you maybe have stuff in your back pocket that you're saving for like that wild crowd? You're like, okay, I got them now. Oh, yeah, I, I can let loose a little bit. Definitely. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Okay. That's okay. when I get into my real dark humor. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I gotta be. I gotta be there for that one. What about the yeah. location that you arrived and you were like, I don't know about this, but surprised you in a positive way? Um, I say what surprised me. I want to say Iowa. Yeah, I go with that. Okay. I go with Iowa. Iowa definitely surprised me. Okay. Um, same same situation. Like it, 
It was Mount Pleasant, Iowa. Really small town. Um, but they were just so hospitable. Okay. Um, like when when I usually go to schools, I usually talk to the school contact for a little bit. But with this school, I met up with the school contact because they usually want to go through a soundtrack or just sound check or show me where I'm going to perform later in the night just to make sure that whole situation is set up. But this guy, he made sure, like he met me at the hotel, made sure I got checked in cool, took me to a restaurant in town, like just to talk about the show and um, got some good food. And then you were just like, you were just, it, just really genuine, just really genuine, open. And then it and when I got there, it was freezing out. It was around this time last year. It was freezing. I'm out there. It was about like nine degrees. It was like nine degrees out, snowing. But it was so many students in there. And it it was just to the point where these students still hit me up now. I came out, yeah, these students still hit me up all the time, like, yo, when you coming back? Cool. Like, we waiting on you. So, yeah, that one. How about, uh, I, I know you get asked out all the time after a show, like, come on out with us. So, wi- wildest town, oh. wildest town that you were a part of. Oh, uh, all the time. Yeah. Literally all the time. Every time I do a show. Those, those, those morning <laughs> flights, those, those morning 7 a.m. flights might not be the best thing after a college performance. Yeah. Yeah. All the time, they always ask me, um, Hey, you want to come drink with us or we're about to go do this? And it's really risky. Like yeah. I'll I'll go hang, I'll go to a bar um in town just because it's like that's that's perfectly legal. But I know one of my friends, this comedian I, I know, he actually got dropped from his college agency because he ended up, I think he was drinking with the students and one of them posted a picture of him ch- like chugging beers. Yeah. And like I think when he did it, he was on campus, okay. so that got him in trouble. Okay. So yeah, yeah, no, I definitely do. But it just I just you just have to be careful where at. And yeah. When. <laughs> All right, best place where you're like you're still thinking about the food there, probably a little hole in the wall place or whatever food item it was. You're still like, man, I would go back and perform at this show just to eat this food. Where was it? Okay. Well, this wasn't a, even a hole in the wall place, so. Okay. I performed um so I performed it was the 2019. 2019, I was able to perform on a military tour in a few different countries overseas. I performed in Spain, cool. Portugal, Italy, and Germany. I was out there 19 days, and in that 19 days, I think I gained about 10 pounds. <laughs> like it made me realize we don't think we're eating. The food we're eating isn't good at all. Like, it's not real food. <laughs> it makes you realize how processed everything is. Yeah. McDonald's over there, they had onion rings, like little mozzarella cheese balls. But so, so we're like every, every city we're staying in, like we're, we're eating like amazing steak and calamari, we're just eating good. But when we were on the road, we happened to go to this rest stop. We went to a rest stop in Italy um, just to use the bathroom. But it was like they had a whole food court in there. And it wasn't regular food. It was like, it was, I know, I still remember the smell. That's how good it was. I had got me some chicken cutlet, um, chicken cutlet with potatoes, and then a few, some vegetables. 
and then I got a side of chocolate mousse. <laughs> all from a gas station. All from a gas station. And it was be- it was fun- it was <laughs> yeah. fantastic, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious on just on the year, this doesn't have to be comedy related, but just throughout the year, what do you think the, is the biggest lesson you've learned in the last 12 um, months? The biggest lesson, um, be patient. Mm-hmm. Definitely be patient. Um, prioritize yourself. Prioritize, like, whether that be your health, your happiness. Um, And I wish a lot of comedians would do that. I really wish a lot of comedians would prioritize what's best for them, especially in this situation. Because, you know, for us, as freelancers, insurance doesn't come with this job at all. So it's like... Just be careful what you're willing to do, like whether putting yourself at risk or anything. So me, like I'll I'll perform at these colleges, but some of these shows, and I've been thinking about this a lot. One of my friends, this comedian, I know he passed away. He caught COVID, when did he catch it? He caught COVID right after Halloween. Went to the hospital the first week of December. And, no, no, he went to the hospital the first week of November and he passed away the first week of December. Like, just went fast. And it went from him posting on Facebook. He posted on Facebook that, like, yeah, I'm in a hospital, I'm sick. And um, then they had to induce him in a coma and then, like, he just passed. And it just made me think, like, why are we doing this? Why are we putting ourselves, which which really made me think about it is because the, the club he used to perform at all the time, they still send out the emails as far as um their availability, availability because they're still, they're still open. So I think they might do outside shows at like limited capacity. Yeah. But um, just to see them like, this was one of my friends where every time I went to this club, I knew he was going to be there. He was like one of the main headliners they always used. And um, so I always hung out with him, always talked with him there. And it just made me think like how they just went back to like business as usual, which I get is like they are a business, but we just have to prioritize ourselves. Yeah. Because if something happens to us and in, in all of this, things are going to go on like right without us well i'm glad you have that perspective and i think that's very heads up on your end so this has been this has been great my man really thankful to have you on how can people follow you and anything else coming up in 2021 that people need to be aware of um so you can find me on twitter and instagram at all that and more um my website great great handle by the way that's a great handle thanks (laughs) um my website is anthonymorecomedy.com um, for right now, the only things I have coming up are just um, more virtual shows. So I plan on continuing to do them for the colleges, but I'm also going to do something that I just open up to the public. I did one in December. I had um, and that's that's also what I love about being virtual, because now the power is back in our hands. Because we don't need we don't need um. We don't need comedy clubs, even like like podcasting. You don't need a studio. You could just do everything from home. Like yeah. so, so for me, 
I was able to, and that's part of, that's really the reason why I got a, a microphone. So I could just do shows from at home. So I set up a Eventbrite um, and I just did it just like a regular comedy show. I set up a Eventbrite. Here's the ticket link. Whoever wants to um, get a ticket, I'm, I'll be, I'll perform an hour at this time. And originally the plan was just to just do an hour myself. What ended up happening, two comedians it ended up reaching out to me. So it, it basically became a full comedy show where one of my friends hosted, I had a feature, and then after the feature, I came on and did the hour. And it was just, it was about an hour, hour and a half show, and it was just a great time for everybody. So I plan on doing more of those. Just absolute delight to talk to you today. No, thank you. Thank you. Any, anytime. I'm, I'm not at home doing anything. I'm just in here playing my game. Well, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do it again. We'll check in later on this year, find out everything's going. And then, you know, let's dial it in, make it a point next time I'm in failure. I know you're in New York, but, you know, next time get yeah. some chicken and peas. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's my... I, I do. I, I love those fries. That's those fries, man. Yeah. Appreciate you today. I know we'll chat again, but just thanks so much and we'll talk soon. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening. Much appreciation, Anthony. For more information, check out anthonymorecomedy.com. My new book, Curiosity, is currently available on Amazon. Curiosity celebrates the knowledge that strangers have to offer. Everyone has unique expertise and endless wisdom awaits the perpetually curious. Featuring 200 episodes from the Any Given Runway show, Curiosity explores the diverse lives of athletes, adventurers, and performers. From daring voyages across the Atlantic to unforgettable performances in the West End, Curiosity celebrates the sophisticated thing we call life. Everyone has a story. Each person is a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. Aviento.